Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's going to change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm going to come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's going to touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. Turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to begin a series this morning called Here Comes the Bride. I believe that Lord is calling us to be a prepared people. And I want to go, I started here Wednesday night, we'll see what happens. Um, but I believe the Lord is calling us to a place of right priority at the beginning of a year. And this text in Revelation chapter 2 is, I really believe, a critical passage as it regards priority because if I know anything about God, he's jealous. And, you know, we preach him sometimes as just um, him accepting our leftovers. But I'm going to tell you right now, he is a jealous God. And he doesn't want us because he's selfish. He wants us because he knows true love. And he doesn't want us to have inferior idols in our heart as the object of our love. If you love God more than you love anything else, life will be better than any other way you could live it. And if you don't love God that way, my prayer is that over these next several weeks in this series on Here Comes the Bride, I pray preparation would just happen in all of our lives. Because Jesus Christ is the groom, we are his bride, and there will be a uniting of the bride and the groom. How many want to be ready for him? Can you say amen? amen. Revelation chapter 2, look at your neighbor, say neighbor. Amen. This is going to be the slimmest year. You, you look so slim already. I don't know what you've done, but you look so good. And the, the year is already looking better for you. It's going to be the slimmest year of your life. Somebody said in Jesus' name. <laughs> Tuesdays, yes, Pastor Nate mentioned it. Let me reiterate, Tuesdays, 7 a.m., noon, and 7 p.m. I am not just mindlessly suggesting a time filler. I'm telling you, you need to pray until something happens. And some of us who've never engaged in a prayer meeting need to come at 7 a.m. I, I, I love 7 a.m. prayer on Tuesday. Was here this past Tuesday at 7 with some brothers and sisters who were praying. Noon was powerful. 7 p.m., Pastor Mike and Forge, it was powerful. I am not just saying this. I am, I am calling because the Spirit of the living God called us to it. I'm calling this house to pray. And not just over the preaching part of the sermon on Sunday morning. I mean pray. Like lift your voice and pray. Like if you don't pray, nothing's going to happen. But if you pray something powerful, it's pivotal. Look at somebody and tell them this is pivotal. I wish you would get a spirit of prayer on you like your prayer life was about to pivot some things in our day. I don't know what the enemy's got planned, but God has some special things planned. I need somebody to pray until heaven comes down here and just starts manifesting on the earth. Slap your neighbor elbow and karate chop them, do something. Tell them pray until something happens. Revelation 2. Also, thank you, Lord. The last week of this month and the last Sunday of this month are significant and important. I want you to, between now, I hope you started last Sunday when I mentioned it, between now and the last week of this month, how many will ask God for a first fruit offering that you can sow into the kingdom of God? Lift your hand if you will. If you don't feel that and don't want that, I pray for you in this coming year that the economy of this earth can help you. But for those of us who are gonna trust God, we're gonna put seed in the soil of the kingdom of God and thank God in advance that the seed will produce for our families. 
Because I'm telling you, some stuff is being said about this year and some prognostications, even some prophetic utterances about how hard it will be for people in this nation. But those who will trust God are going to experience supernatural provision. I did not say natural provision. I said supernatural provision. And if you don't believe in supernatural provision, I'm really praying for you because if your natural runs out, you're going to need some supernatural that will never run out. And I wish I had a witness on every row that believed God could take care of you and your house. Even in a world of famine, God can take care of his people. Amen. Revelation chapter two. So we're gonna ask God for a first fruit offering. If God gives it to you, nudge your neighbor, tell them don't eat your seed. And then on the 28th, that Sunday night at 5 p.m., tell your neighbor 5 p.m. In this building, all of the campuses are coming together from Athens to Cleveland to Tullahoma. Everybody's coming together and the family's gonna get together and we're going to lay hands on every family because I want you to be, I believe in impartation. I believe in the laying on of hands. I believe in the decree of the blessing of God. If you don't think that's, that's important and true, you should read the ironic blessing of the old covenant. God told Aaron, when you bless my people, bless them like this. Reach your hand out and tell them, the Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you and give you his peace. I believe if the devil could speak a curse, he would, but he can't curse what God has blessed. And so before the year comes, talk to me, church. Before the year comes, I said, talk to me, church. Before the February gets here or March gets here or crazy stuff happens in the rest of the year, we're gonna bless the people of God before the year gets too far gone and we're gonna believe God to bless our families. If you're blessed and you know it, say amen. Don't miss that Sunday night right here at five o'clock. We're gonna lay hands on every family and ask God's blessing upon them. If you don't wanna have hands laid on you, you don't have to. You can stay outside of the blessing. I don't care. But I want you blessed. I want your children blessed. I want your physical bodies blessed. I want your mind sound and whole. I want your sleep to be deep and sweet. I want your food to be blessed. I want your physical bodies to be blessed. I want your marriage to be blessed. I want your money to be blessed. I want your neighborhood and your community and your elementary and your middle and your high school and your college and your nursery blessed. I want all the seasoned saints living on a fixed income to be blessed. I want every business man and business lady to be blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed every day that I live. I am blessed when I wake up in the morning till I lay my head to rest. I am blessed. I love singing them old songs nobody knows. <laughs> Revelation 2. Here comes the bride. If you're going to be the bride, don't act like the whore. I should, I should probably warm up a little bit before I drop a bomb like that. <laughs> Like some sort of introduction or something is fitting. Some of y'all were asleep and you're like, what did he say? I said, the bride, not the whore in 24. That's what I said. <laughs> Revelation 2. Verse 1. To the angel, the messenger of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not 
and you have found them to be liars. And you have persevered in patience. And you have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, how many have an ear? Come on, lay hands on your ear. How many have an ear? If you have an ear, you have a responsibility to steward the word of the Lord that God is releasing through his word today. He or she that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I want to talk about locating your first love. The Bible doesn't say they lost their first love. It said they left their first love. I want to tell you today, if you left it, you can locate it again and you can get it back. And if you're going to be the bride, how many would have recognized he doesn't want our leftover love. He wants our first love. Jesus, help me teach. Help them receive. Kiss earth with heaven today. I pray today that your power and your spirit would move in this place. I thank you that the word of God brings correction, adjustment, encouragement. It washes, it moves, it removes, it lifts, it enlightens. Thy word is a lamp to these feet and a light to our path. Help us today to hear the truth in a day of deception and lies. Thank you for the accuracy, the veracity, and the authenticity of the word of God. Heaven will pass away the grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of God will abide forever. How thankful we are for it. Give it to us today, Father, in Jesus' name. And the family said, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I talked a bit about all this on Wednesday night. I will be honest with you. I... I it was such a precious move. If you were here on Wednesday night, God's spirit moved in a powerful way. The altars were filled, and this morning in Athens and in Cleveland, the altars filled up. I, I as a pastor, and I've been doing this now for, um, whatever, 22 years, it seemed like every January, there is this door of opportunity that people feel is opening for a fresh start, a new beginning at the beginning of a new year. And the reality of it is sometimes when we come to a new year and again, the attendance is wonderful here and the attendance was wonderful in Athens and in Cleveland this morning, there's this surge of priority and importance on the things of God. And people want to get the year started off on the right trajectory, amen? And we find ourselves wanting to reset and get some priorities in order. And if you're anything like me, um, sometimes I start looking for a reset and a refocus and a refresh, and there are so many places that would serve as a distraction for us. Um, where do we start? I don't know about you, but sometimes the problems seem, uh, it's like this panacea of problems. Like, like it, it, do I focus on praying for this situation or this situation, or do I focus praying on that situation? Some of you today are burdened about your finances. Some of you are burdened about your family. Some of us are burdened about our finances and our family. <laughs> Some of us are burdened about situations at the job, situations at school, situations uh, uh, in, in, our, in our friendships, our relationships, and Sometimes we want to start afresh and anew and we want to have right priorities, but we look at what's going on and we say, God, this is wrong and that needs some attention and that needs some attention. And where do I focus to get reset? And what I, what I appreciate about God is that although our issues may be a multitude, our solution is singular. 
I don't care what's wrong and how much is wrong and how many of it is wrong. And I'm not sure how many problems you're dealing with and things you're processing through. And, and do I focus on that? And do I fix that first? And do I fix that first? And do I fix that relationship? And, do I, and the Lord said, no, if you will get the priority of my kingdom right. It, let me say it like Jesus said it in Matthew 6, verse 33. If you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added into your life. I think sometimes we want folk to start fixing stuff without fixing their relationship with God. And you can fix relationships with people and you can fix financial messes and you can focus your attention on all the quote unquote problems that you have been presented with. But if you don't get in line with Jesus, if that doesn't get fixed in your life and mine, we could spend January fixing stuff and by February it's all screwed up again because at the end of the day the main thing is what touches every other thing in our life. I wish I had some help in here right now. I really believe with all of my heart the church has got to get back to a proper Christology. C-H-R-I-S-T-O-L-O-G-Y. What is it about Jesus? Who is the most important thing to you? What is church about for you? What is spiritual, your spiritual journey? What, what sums up your spiritual journey and the emphasis of your spiritual journey? I just want to say this in January, the first Sunday of the first month of a new year. I'm nauseated. I'm sick about what the church is trying to make the kingdom of God about. It primarily is not about what kind of song do y'all sing? What do y'all wear when you come to church? What kind of atmosphere? It is about Jesus Christ. It, there is a recentering for the people of God, a recalibrating for the church of the living God. We have multitudes of issues, a panacea of problems, and we're not going to crawl out of the stuff that we're dealing with until we make sure that our relationship with Jesus is the primary, premier priority of our life. We don't need to focus on everything but getting close to him we need to get closer to him and everything else will start lining up in our life in our neighborhood in our nation we want to fix a nation and we can't even get along with our brother and sister in Christ you can't be sent to the nations if you don't love your neighbor what's wrong with us it's about Jesus and I really believe with all of my heart at the beginning of the year we need to make sure that our relationship with Christ and our passion for him and his presence and his kingdom are at the core of all that we do. And this message this morning from Revelation chapter two is the most elementary yet necessary reminder for the first Sunday of the year. This is the first church, Ephesus. Jesus speaks to seven churches in the Asia province before he speaks to Smyrna and Thyatira and Sardis and Laodicea and Philadelphia, before he speaks to all of the rest of them, he speaks first to Ephesus. Why? Because Ephesus is the center of all that is happening in the kingdom in the Asia province. Ephesus, a church that was born out of an apostolic missionary journey from an apostle named Paul and an apostolic team who went to a city that was the hub of all culture in the Asia province. Ephesus with its mag magnificent and majestic colonnades, its beautiful architecture. It was also saturated not only with the culture of the day, but it was a sexual city that had become demonically dark. It had opened its heart to all sorts of sexual deviance. And before you think, I'm just making more out of sexual sin than any other kind of sin. You read the book of Romans, the first chapter, and you look at the degradation of society and the downward spiral of humanity. And before it gets through, before it's over, it ends in a manifestation of the destruction of the image of God in a generation. 
and namely as it regards its sexuality and sexual identity. Some of you get mad when we harp on purity sexually and we, we preach on righteous living and we talk about coming out from the world. I'll tell you why. Because when a generation has cast off its restraint and, and feels the permission to change genders and to change the name of marriage and to swap the identity of the man and the woman and we, y'all don't like this, but I'm gonna preach this because our generation is not earmarked with the fear of the Lord. We're living in a land. It doesn't even have shame for what we used to blush at. We used to blush when we saw sin in the street and now we parade it around and we walk around with no fear of God. It is the downward spiral, the devolution as it were of humanity. It's why we cry aloud and spare not because it's not normal. It's not righteous. It's not moral and we are surrounded by it. Every commercial. You can't even buy a box of Cheez-Its without being presented between two men living together, sharing their Cheez-Its and drinking their Coca-Cola and we normalize it and we, we act like it's okay when people live in drag and it's okay when people, I'm telling you, it is not okay. It is not right. It is not the Bible way. It is a defacing of the image of God and God forbid that we ever become compliant with something that grieves the heart of God. I am not here to earn brownie points with society. I'm not here so that social icons like me and become my best friend. I am here because he brought me out of darkness. He saved me when I was unlovable. He rescued me from a pit that I could not climb my way out of. I owe no one in this place allegiance. I owe him everything. And may we have a backbone in this day. I'll preach it in a minute. But Ephesus was the center of all culture. It was the hub. And Paul and an apostolic band of missionaries went to Ephesus, burnt books, <laughs> planted a church in hell's headquarters. Well, I want to go to a city. <laughs> I'm nauseous. I want to go to a city where there's lots of money and lots of people. Let's do a study on where all of the successful people are and let's go plant a church there. Paul said, let's go to hell's headquarters. If the gospel works, it doesn't just work for decent people who need a spiritual religious band-aid. If the gospel works, it works on the highway to hell, people who are living in sin can hear the gospel come out of darkness. I'm not here to preach to the influential. The kingdom of God is the influential kingdom. And those, no matter whether they be millionaires or on welfare, if you're broke, busted, and disgusted spiritually, you don't need a social club. You need the place of God where the word of God and the people of God and the power of God can move. He went to hell's headquarters and planted this church. And 30 years later, Jesus talks to John about that 30 years. This text I read to you, some of you are like, why is he always this intense? <laughs> 30 years after this church was planted, Jesus came knocking on the door. And here's what he says to this 30-year-old church, three decades. I know your works. You're in the middle of the hub of humanity, the core of culture in Ephesus. It is the city of cities. Paul plants a church there. And 30 years after he plants it, Jesus comes knocking on the door and says, I have a message for you. I know your works. Now, that is the most frightening and encouraging statement all in one. <laughs> it is frightening because I know your works. And this is Jesus talking. He doesn't say I heard secondhand and somebody brought me a report. 
I walk in the middle of the seven golden candlesticks and I know what you're up to. I know your works. This is frightening and encouraging all in the same sentence. How so? It's frightening for those who think they're doing stuff and hiding it from him. He knows your works. And it's also encouraging for those who are working and feel overlooked. He knows your works. He said, I know your works. I know that you have, I'm just gonna walk through the text. You labor. You are patient. And a few minutes ago, I got a little bit excited talking about um, standing for righteousness and people say all the time, you know, you shouldn't worry about that. Read this portion. They could not tolerate evil. I'm scared for some people who think it is spiritually fashionable to become tolerable. We don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to say anything that could be offensive to anyone. I, do you think I want to wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror and so say to myself, how can I offend them today? I don't live to offend anybody. The truth preached in tears and love offends many because men prefer darkness over the light. They don't want their deeds to be exposed. They wanna hide in the dark and when you preach the truth, they get mad. They don't even go to our church. They watch it somehow online and have the unmitigated gall to think I care about their offense at the presentation of the gospel preached in love. Hear me, I don't care how fashionable it becomes. I don't even care where it puts me on the political spectrum. I am not committed to a party. I am a citizen of a kingdom. I've been dwelling on something pinning this up. I am sick of the religious right. I am sick of the liberal left. I'm gonna live in the kingdom middle and I'm gonna preach the king of the kingdom and wherever that puts me and however you like it, I do not care. I am bought with a price. I belong to him. And that's how you ought to live. Well, we don't want to talk about it. Everybody's talking about it. And the church has been silent to our own destruction. Well, don't talk about sexuality so our kids get screwed up. You shouldn't talk about that in the church because they don't need to hear that. So we don't talk about things and we don't preach the Bible and Satan fills in the blanks with lies. I'm away from the notes now. Here we go. Jesus, help me. He said, I know your works. I know your patience, your labor. You don't tolerate what's evil. I even know that you have tried those who say they are apostles and are not. And you found them to be pseudo apostolos in the Greek false, bogus apostles. Boy, we need some of that in the church because there are more apostles in some church than there are members. Let me help you understand something. Not everybody in the church is an apostle and that's okay. Not everybody in the church is a pastor and that's okay. If you can go somewhere and two weeks into your journey in that church, they make you an elder, you need to find another church. The Bible said, know those that labor among you. We're given titles to keep people in seats. The problem is we've given them authority God didn't intend to give them. How in the world can you have a title and the authority that accompanies a title and your entire life, who am I preaching to today, has never even been submitted to a local church, a spiritual father or mother? 
We are title hungry. And the church has gotten enamored with handing out our ministry cards and no one has humbled themselves. We want a title, but we don't have a towel. We'd rather be served than to bow down on our knees and wash disciples' feet and love one another. You're not helping me, but I'm telling you, God is about, the building inspector is coming back to the church and the plumb line for determining if the building is square is not the church down the road. It's not your spiritual sugar daddy who's telling you who he is. The spiritual plumb line is that book right there. That book is the spiritual plumb line. And if we don't get the house plumbed and in line with the word, there will be no glory in 2024. But I came to preach to you and tell you if we'll build according to the building inspector, he will bless the house. He will favor the house. He will favor his children. He said, you tried the apostles and said they were and you found them to be false. Stop. If you're watching me online, stop quickly promoting people when we need to demonstrate some fruit and faithfulness. Well, I want to have a microphone. Show me how you handle a mop and I'll tell you if you're ready for a microphone. Well, I got them all mad today. Here we go. When my spiritual father found out I was called to preach, I told you this story. He said, meet me here Monday morning. It was the summer, my summer of my junior year. Who wants to get up Monday morning in the summer at eight o'clock and go to the church? But I thought he's going to teach me how to preach. I'm going to learn how to preach. I got there with a mop and a bucket. I said, I don't know if you heard the words that are coming out of my mouth. I'm called to preach. And he said, if you're called to preach, you're called to serve. I'm killing a whole lot of ambition here. But some people want a title and they want to be apostle this and apostle that and prophet this and prophet that. I'm telling you right now, when God anoints you with that mantle, it will be announced from the heavens. You don't need some entourage to tell me who you are. Heaven will tell me who you are. And I will tell you this, churches that keep producing people who have not been sanctioned by the Holy Spirit and have not been sent. That's what, listen to me, that's what the, the Greek word is, pseudo-apostolos. Apostolos means sent by God. And the, the writer was saying, Jesus was saying, I love Ephesus. I'm going somewhere else in a minute, but hear me. He said, I love you because those who say they were sent but were not sent by God have been found to be bogus. What he was saying is, quit affirming people who tell you they were sent by God. We are enamored with people. They take our money. They, they have a $500 prophecy line and a $1,000 prophecy line and a $5,000 prophecy line and we're so spiritually empty we pay our money to non-prophets to prophesy to us words that did not come from the Lord. In this day may the authentic anointing of apostolic and prophetic pastoral and evangelistic grace rest on the body and give us enough discernment to know when it is a hireling after money instead of a shepherd who cares about our soul. I'm done. He said, you tried them and they were not true and you said, that's not authentic. Watch this. This was not a lazy church. They were working, they were patient, they were steadfast, they didn't tolerate evil, and they didn't put up with false apostles. How many know that's a pretty solid spiritual resume? But he said these words. I have something against you. They were working and busy and active. But he had something. What is that something? 
That's something that God will not ignore no matter how much you or I are engaged in. That one thing about God, that he cares too much about us to allow us to be busy without being completely given to him. He said these words, you left your first love. He did not say you lost it. He said you lost it. We have these ridiculous conversations and I understand the nature of them because we've, we've had these, these verbs and these words that describe our relationship with our salvation. And so we have someone, people who say all the time, can you lose your salvation? This morning, I lost my glasses. I have no clue where they are. I drove down the interstate praying, God, keep me in the center of this interstate and your will, but keep me. I called Jeremiah, go find my glasses. They're in my office at the house. He said, no, they're not there, Dad. Okay, they're under the bed. They're on the nightstand. They're somewhere. He said, I can't find them anywhere. I called Rick. I said, I need glasses. I'll find them. Dr. White, don't panic. I'll find them. They're at the house somewhere. I know they are. But I lost my glasses this morning. You don't lose your salvation like you lose your glasses. Like, oh, where did I put Jesus? The word left is not lose. Left in the Greek, it's not the word apostasy. If this were Jesus, apostasy is an about face and a total rejection and renunciation of who he is and you walk away from him. That's not what word he used here in Ephesians 2. He used a word that is much more applicable for people like me and you. It's the Greek word that indicates an unknowing, subtle walking away from unintentional it's just I got busy I got distracted and I want you to look at the words I, I don't want to make more of the text than it is there but I feel like God showed me something that I want you to get he did not say listen to me carefully he did not say you left Jesus read it First love is not capitalized. He was not speaking of Jesus. He did not say you left Jesus. I believe they were working and actually loved Jesus to a degree. He said you lost how you love him. You lost the quality of love that you had at the first. Oh. It's not that many people in the church don't love Jesus. They love him. That's why they come on Sunday. They love him. That's why they give. They love him. That's why they serve in the parking lot team or they serve in the first impression team or they serve in the children's team or they serve, whatever you serve, whatever you do. It's not that we don't love Jesus. It's that we don't love him with first love. They didn't leave Jesus. They left the way they loved him at the beginning. Do you remember how you loved him when you first got saved? Let me preach right here. Do you remember what, what you did and how you served God before religion jacked and cacked your mind up? Do you re remember what it was like when he first washed your sins away and you felt the bliss of eternal life before uh, anybody crazy ever stood up and, and made you feel weird about being excited or passionate? When, when we used to have to tap you on the shoulder because you was laying in the altar and you laid in the altar past offering and you laid in the, offer, out in the altar while the preacher was preaching and they come and finally said, hey, it's time to go home. The, 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 the people, the, the custodians are coming to clean the building. We need you to get 
kingdom and you were just glad to be in the kingdom of God. Do you remember what it was like before everybody offended you and you were so easily offended when you really just loved him with all your heart when you were not caught up in what camp you belonged to and am I theologically correct? You were just glad not to be as screwed up as you used to be. Do you remember what it was like when you loved him and you knew he loved you before people started looking at you and saying it don't take all that and you started believing their religious lie? Oh, I'm coming for you today. Do you remember what it was like when you loved him like that? When you woke up in the middle of the night, he was the first thing you thought about. When you laid your head down at night, he was the last thing to come to your mind. Do you remember what it was like? I'm talking about that kind of love like you loved your first love. What about you, sir? You and your wife been married 50 years now. You remember the first time you saw her at the A&W sipping on a root beer and she was so fine and you chased her and got her number and now that you've been married for 50 years, anybody still love her like that? Oh, what happened to your love? I'll tell you what's happened to some of your first love. Religion bit you. Bitterness bit you. Life bit you. And it took your joy and it took your prayer and it took your peace. But God said, I'm not just interested in how busy you will be for me and my kingdom. I want you to be head over heels in love with me again. I want to be the last thing you think about at night. I want to be the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning. I want to be in a love relationship. You didn't leave Jesus. You left how you loved him. And over time, we start loving him like we do others. You know how you do people. Things don't work out in a relationship. First thing you do, uh, unpredictable. I don't know. That makes me feel some kind of way. I'm going to back up in my relationship with him. And I came to tell you, some of you are going to reclaim your love for him in spite of the stuff that happened that disappointed you. I'm serving him not because he's a genie in a bottle that makes my dreams come true. I'm serving him because he's God. He said you left your primary love. This is how churches get in a mess. We Watch what I'm getting ready to tell you. Write notes, take it down. We choose influence over intimacy. Well, we want to be influential. We want to be influential. God said, if you don't get intimacy right, I'll jerk your candle out of the candlestick and take your influence away. Oh, when he says, I'll remove your candle, he's not talking about them losing their salvation. He said, I'll make sure as a church, you don't have influence. Hey, baby, I love you so much. You come on up here and preach this whole thing with me. I don't even care. He said, I want you to know that you can have, you can have intimacy. If you choose intimacy, I'll give you influence. But if you choose influence and don't give me intimacy, I'll jerk your light out. Not because I don't love you, but because I love you too much to let you be working for me and not loving me. Oh, y'all not gonna help nobody. And I know it's 12, 11, but I came for you too. Because some of you need to say, you know what, I don't need another meal at 12 o'clock on Sunday until I get my priorities right, until I get my heart right, until I go get the kind of love I used to have for God. I refuse to go through 2024 and be a whore when I'm called to be a bride. I refuse to be shacked up in the back seat with the world. I will not be in bed with the world when the groom comes. I'm ready for a marriage. Somebody hollering in this house. And I'm going to preach on that another week or something another, but I'm going to tell you about that right now. There is a difference between the bride and the whore. And the, both of them are women and both of them are looking for a man. But one wants to be all tied up in Jesus and the other wants a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. I'm 
sick of the church acting like she loves Jesus, but when the world comes calling, we're not afraid to get in the car with the church. The devil is a liar. Come out from among the world. Be a separate people. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Why do I have He said, I have one thing against you. You left your first love. You didn't leave Jesus. You left the kind of love you had for him when you started. Get it back. How? How, Bishop, do I get it back? Let me give you these three real quick. I'm going to let you go. Number one, remember. Now this, when I first read this, it bothered me. The, The antidote and the cure for having lost first love is to first of all remember. That sounds like it would torment me. If I'm in a place where I don't love God like I used to love him and he says remember, the enemy would try to use those memories in a condemning way to make me feel like well you had it real sweet at one point in your life but it, I, I told this on Wednesday night. Let me tell you this story. When I was 14 years old, a woman in my church came to me. She looked at me and she pointed her finger at me. I was just starting in ministry. Actually, I was 15 years old. She pointed her finger at me and she said these words. You better be careful. Because if you fall, it's hard to get up. And if you do, it'll never be as sweet as it used to be. Talking about my relationship with Jesus. Well, my God. I was in a place at that point in my life, I got saved every Sunday. I'm talking about, I come to church. <laughs> and this woman's pointing at me, you better be careful. If you fall and you lose your way, you may never get back up. It's hard to get back up. And if you do, it'll never be as sweet as it used to be. I lived under that bondage for six years. It was bondage. It was a lie. Stand up and preach your conviction as a manipulative fear. My 15-year-old boy self sitting there trying to live for God. And every time I fail, her words rung in my ears and haunted me. You'll never get up. It's hard to get up. And if you do, it'll never be as sweet as it used to be. Oh, yeah? Well, I need to testify because it's 29 years later. I've fallen down a few times. I made a mess a whole bunch of times. I need to drop by and testify to somebody I hadn't always kept my end of the bargain. But I need to tell you, it gets sweeter as the days go by. Proverbs said a just man falls down seven times, but he rises back up again. You want to know what the definition of victory is? Getting up one more time than you fell down. If you fall down, I want to tell you this house will not finish you off. We are not here to condemn you and tell you how horrible you are. If you fall down, may God use us to reach down and pull you up and let you know he's not done with you yet oh I gotta preach I rebuke the religious lie that you cannot get up remember how sweet it was it's about to be sweet all over again So I'm going to send her a letter next week. Lie, lie, pants on fire. Tell it, Bishop, tell it. If you've fallen down, remember where you fell from. Why? To torment you? No. To remind you of how sweet it used to be. If it was sweet before, it'll be sweet again. But that just sounds so greasy. No, it's anti-religious, which is what some of y'all are addicted to is religion. He ain't preaching hard enough. Get behind me. I preach the truth every Sunday, but the truth for people looking for hope is that there is hope and there is mercy. 
We got a lot of people who preach folk into hell and don't preach the cross and we leave people in hell and Jesus didn't come to leave nobody in hell today. Remember, touch your neighbor, tell them remember. Number two, he said repent. Uh-oh. Well, here we go. Taboo. Don't talk about repentance. Christians don't have to repent. Listen to me. Some of y'all been listening to them people who tell you repentance is not for the Christian. You haven't read your Bible. And I don't care how cool his suit is and how nice his car is. He's a liar if he tells you a Christian can live in sin and not have to repent. You better hear your pastor tell you the truth in love today. When you get in sin, and don't tell me you fell in sin. You didn't fall, I didn't fall in sin. You didn't fall in sin. We put on our swimming trunks and jumped in the deep end of sin. And when you jumped into sin, you don't stay swimming in sin. And you don't need some preacher to tell you why you're sinking in sin. Don't repent. Stay in sin. The devil is a liar. When you get in sin, you say, what in the world am I doing in this mess? This is not who I am. And this is not my destiny. I'm getting... Oh, I feel like preaching here. I am coming back home. I'm tired of living in the pig pen. I'm tired of living in the mud. I wasted everything he gave me and the devil told me it was too late, but I'm coming back home. Oh God, if you don't do nothing this year, if nothing else happens in January, let every prodigal hear my voice. Get up out of the pig pen. Oh my God. Get up out of the pig pen and tell yourself, I'm going back home to the Father. I refuse to die in the pig pen. There's a party getting ready to happen at redemption to the nation. Oh Lord. Slap your neighbor, tell him, get the calf. Get the robe. Get the ring. Get the balloons. We getting ready to have a party. My son who was dead is alive again. Slap your neighbor, tell him yeah. I feel like January, we're gonna have to learn how to throw a party in January. We're gonna have to learn how to kill the fatted calf in January. We're gonna have to lay our religious judgmentalism aside because the prodigals, I said the prodigals, if you got a prodigal, you ought to shout because the prodigals are coming home. Oh, oh. Slap your neighbor, say neighbor, time out. Let's take a praise break for every prodigal that got hurt in the church. They're coming back home. They lost their way. The devil deceived them, but the devil is a liar. They're getting ready to remember. They're getting ready to repent. They're coming back home. How many got an empty seat near you right now? Throw your hand up if you got an empty seat. Now open up and mouth and shout that before 2024 is over, a prodigal is gonna be sending that. I know some of you can't shout because you don't have no prodigal, but everybody that knows a prodigal ought to shout. He said, remember, repent and return. Go do your first works all over again. You know what that doesn't mean? Stand with me, I'm through preaching. It doesn't mean go work hard to get back in right relationship. It means go love him like you love him when you first loved him. Stop loving him like you've been through stuff that made you bitter. Stop loving him like you've been through stuff that disappointed you. I know you got some disappointment. I know some things didn't work out like you thought they would. 
I know some of you got in a situation you weren't expecting, but God is still good. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was good in the beginning, you might have walked through hell, but I dare you to return to him and say, the hell I walked through won't keep me from loving you. Oh God, I wish I could find somebody who will make up your mind for 2024. If I don't do anything else right this year, I'm gonna love him in the morning, love him in the noon time, love him till the sun goes down. He said, remember, repent and return to your first works. Your leaving may have taken a while. Your fall may have been further than you thought it would. But your recovery is as simple as falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever. That's too dangerous. I'm going to have to go over here and get away from that. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Was the best thing. in this room first of all if you're in this room and you just want to come to Jesus today maybe you've heard about him maybe you've even known about him maybe you've been to church maybe you've never been to church before we leave if you're in this room you say Pastor Kevin I need to be saved I want to give Christ my heart and my life and I want to follow him Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If I'm preaching to you, I don't care how screwed up you feel, how messed up you think you are, or how good of a person you think you are. If you know you need Jesus to save you, when I say three, lift your hand, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get right with God. One, two, three. Lift that hand. God bless you, sir, sir, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. Everyone put your hands down that lifted it. If Everyone in this room, listen to me right now. There's someone on your right, on your left. You may have known them your whole life. You may have never met them before today. I want you to lean over to both neighbors and say, do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you today? And if you lifted your hand or you should have, when they ask you that question, I want you to come out of your seat and come meet me right here. I believe today Jesus is gonna save people who wanna come into the kingdom of God. No matter what you've done, if you wanna be born again, ask your neighbor right now, do you need someone to go pray with you? If you lifted your hand or you should have, come on out your seat and come meet me right here. Come on, come on. I'm going to pray for other folk in a minute, but before I pray for anybody else, the most important thing we can do today is pray. God bless you, baby. Come on. God bless you. Play Julian. God bless you for coming. Come on, they're still coming. I need some people to help me. Praise God. Woo! Come on, sweetheart. Come on, come on. Somebody give him glory. Come on. Come on, they're coming. Come on, if you want to come on, come on now. They're coming. I see you coming. Come on. Say falling in love. Come on. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. God bless you, baby. Give me somebody right here to pray. Come on. Come on, you're not too late. Come on, come on, come on. They're still coming to Jesus. Pastor Mike, come up here and help me. I need some prayer warriors. People are coming. My God, the altar's filling up. I need some prayer warriors. Get down here right now. Come on. 
It's the first Sunday. Come on home. Falling in love. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling. Woo. Holy Ghost. I need some worshipers to throw your hands up. Prodigals are already coming home. Falling in love with Jesus. The best thing. Sing it again. Sing it again. Come on. Anybody else who needs to come, come on home. Falling in love. Is the best thing. Before I pray the next prayer, I want you to stretch your hands toward all these people, precious brothers and sisters who've come to the altar. I want you to take the next 60 seconds and pray for them like you wish somebody would have prayed for you the day you come to Jesus. Come on, pray for them right now. Bless them, strengthen them, Lord. Give them grace. Increase the measure of your presence in their heart. May the voice of the Spirit of God begin to be heard in their hearts. Let the word of God come alive in them, I pray. The precious name of Jesus. Precious name of Jesus. God bless you all. Listen to me. If if you're born again and you love Jesus, but the word I preached today spoke to you, ministered to you because you needed it, I'm not saying you don't love God or that you're not working for God or you're not busy for God. But how many want to make sure in this first month of this new year on this first Sunday that you you have that kind and quality of love that you had when you first found him and he found you. If I'm talking to you, lift your hand right now. I'm talking to Christians all over this church. Lift your hands. Lord, I'm asking you this morning that the people of God would remember. Hold on, I say. Some of them have forgotten how sweet it is being loved by you. But I thank you for the ability to remember today. Come on, And I pray right now as they remember that their heart would just cry out for intimacy, not influence. Influence will happen when we get our intimacy with you right, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would not let us be busy but spiritually broken. I'm asking you, God, you'll help us to draw near. And if we will, with a full heart of assurance, turn to you and draw near, you will turn near and draw near to us. And I thank you for the ability to return. If, if you lifted your hand, just throw both hands up. I wanna pray right now for you. If I'm talking to you, you were just praying. Just lift your hand, Christian. Listen, listen, this is a moment the Spirit of God's gonna get closer to you. That hand going up seems insignificant until you understand that one action in the outward expresses a heart that says, I'm I'm hungry for him. Throw your hand up if I'm talking to you. I'm not, this is not a calisthenic. If I preach to you and you need that primary recovery of the kind of love you had for Jesus, throw your hands up and don't you dare be ashamed. Father, I thank you for every hand lifted right now and every heart connected to it in this year. May the person and work of Jesus be the premier, primary, and prioritized thing in our lives. And I thank you that out of this priority, all things will flow. Holy Ghost, I praise you. Reach over, lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder right now, church, all over the house. Father, I bless the family. I thank you, Holy Spirit. God bless you, buddy, I love you. I thank you, Holy Spirit that in this year, we will not mark the success of this year by the increase of material things. We will mark success by an increase in our intimacy. 
with the man Christ Jesus. And I'm praying for our church today, God. Don't let us get distracted. Don't let the gods and the idols and the ideologies and the icons of this culture become our pursuit. God, let us return to the simplicity of Christ and a hunger for the person of Jesus in our hearts. I bless this family to know you in the power of resurrection and the fellowship of suffering. Be with this family. Watch over us, Lord. Bless our families, I pray. Prepare your bride in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. We love your family. We'll see you this Wednesday. Pray in the altar as long as you need to pray. Go in the peace of the Lord. Hey, family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend, I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ, and our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You're going to become everything He put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.